Come on, we made it through 2021. <laughs> Another year around the sun, and we're here. You know, I was thinking about this last year personally for me. I'm sure a lot of people can relate here. I had a lot of mountaintop moments, good moments. I, we welcomed our third son uh, into the world. Little Roman Michael is incredible. So cute. Looks just like his dad. Uh, I'm just joking. But we had a lot of mountaintop moments. It was incredible. But you know what? If I'm honest, we also had a lot of valley moments. And there were a lot of high moments where it seemed like I was on top of the world. But then other times, it's like the lowest of lows. Isn't that how, like, life is? It could be the highest of highs one moment. And then the next minute, it could be the lowest of lows. I was praying for us. And pastor the other day said this. He said that, that there were some people that he felt like were dreading coming into the new year. And I felt like I just wanted to remind some of you that God has good things in store for you, that 2021 maybe wasn't what you thought it would be, but 2022 is gonna exceed every expectation. This is what the Bible promises, that he will take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. That doesn't mean problems won't happen or trouble won't happen. It just means this, that because we are giving our life to Jesus and we're following Jesus, we will always move forward. And so I was praying, and this is what I felt like God said over us, 2022 is going to be the most spiritually impactful year of your life. The most spiritually impactful year of your life where you're going to change your workplace, your homes, your marriages, in every area, in every avenue of life, you are going to move forward spiritually. Come on, that is a good thing to be able to grab and say, I need that. I want that. Does anybody, can they just say right now, you know what? I want 2022 to be the best year I've ever had. Come on, I'd rather speak in faith than just say maybe if it happens. No, I want 2022 to blow every expectation that I have. And so here's what I'm going to ask us to do. We're about to jump into the first message of the year. And this is what I'm going to say. Can we just put our hands on our heart right now? From the get-go, I'm going to ask that you just repeat after me. I'm going to repeat, then I'm going to say a prayer. So just say, Jesus, I give you 2022. Do what you want and have your way. Amen. Lord, we just say right now together collectively, God, we give you this year. God, every part of this year, every aspect of this year, God, we give it to you. We lay it down. We know it's better in your hands than it is in ours. So, Lord, change what you need to change. Move what you need to move. Rearrange things. You are the master builder. You are the great physician. You are the one who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask, think, or imagine. So, God, we just say right now, Lord, we give you this year. God, we give you this service. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Come on. Well, hey, we're about to jump into the word and it's going to be good because the word of God is alive and active, not because I'm good, but it's because the word's good and the word speaks to whatever season that we're in. This is why I love the Holy Spirit. and I love the word of God. I could be preaching on one thing, but the Holy Spirit is so big and he's so good. He could be working on something completely different because he knows what you need. So whatever you came in today needing, you need to know that we are worshiping a God. We are serving a God who knows exactly what it is that you need today. And his heart is not to send you out dry, to not send you out empty, Come on, he wants you to start 2022 filled up. You ever like meet one of those drivers and like they have the gas is empty, right? And they go and for some reason, maybe because time or something, they're like, I'm just going to fill up my truck or my car halfway. And instead of filling up all the way, they just like, they, they don't do that. And they only fill up a little bit. If I'm 100% honest, I am that person. 
But to pretend like I'm not, why would you do that? Sometimes that's what happens when we come into church. I'll just get what I need a little bit. No, I don't want to just barely get by. No, come on. God wants us to be out of the overflow type of faith, out of the overflow type of encounter. So I want to encourage you, for real, who knows what God can do today on the first service of 2022. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verse 25 through 34. Little background for you. This is... Jesus in the middle of teaching the most powerful and incredible sermon that has ever been preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. What Jesus is doing is he's actually inviting people into the most richest life imaginable. He's helping them understand, hey, this is what Jesus, this is, this is what God has called us to live. This is how he wants us to live. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He's given people an overview of this is what the Christian life is supposed to be. This is what he designed it to be. If you're not mistaken, sometimes people will make the mistake of looking at the Bible, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of rules and regulations that I'm supposed to follow. But that's not it. It's supposed to be out of an overflow of the relationship. This is how I live. And so in the middle of this sermon, best sermon ever preached, the one you're about to hear is number two. He says this in verse chapter 25. I'm totally joking. Verse chapter 25, verse 34. This is what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable Then they, verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Pause. One thing I I was reading this this week, and I just realized over the last two years, you know one thing that I did? I spent way too much time worrying, way too much time full of anxiety. Things that I was worried about that didn't even actually happen. And now on the other side, I'm like, dude, why did you waste so much time creating these these illusions of what if this happens? What if that happens? No, this is what God says. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Next verse. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Come on, those are some pretty flowers. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. This verse, most important, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Title of this, if you're taking notes, is First Things First. First Things First. You know, humans are honestly, we're, we're pretty incredible when you think about it. We're good at a lot of things, like a lot of things. You know this building that we're in right now? It was created and it was built by humans. Like, they did this. I was looking the other day, uh, I I can't remember what it's called. It's that building that's like slanted. um, And it's like, why? one, I think it was an accident, but it's beautiful. And they did it, right? We are great at doing a lot of things. We're great at creating. 
were great at building. I looked up the fastest time someone ever did a Rubik's Cube, 4.22 seconds. Like, that is incredibly fast. We're good at a lot of things. That is my point. And you know what I think, though? I think the thing that we are most great at, or one of the things that we are most great at as humans, is overcomplicating things. Anybody else realize how we have the, the, the God-given ability to take what should be incredibly simple and making it complex? Come on, how many people have ever done this before? Somebody asks you, maybe your spouse or a friend, hey, what do you want to eat? And you start, like, the, like, I mean, it's like a compository paper on like a 10-page paper as you're debating all what you should do. And the amount of time it takes you to figure out what you're going to go eat, you could have gone there, got the food, came back, and enjoyed it. Why? Because we overcomplicate things. Think about when it comes to wanting to get in shape. Do you know how many things you can go on the Internet and find? Do this diet. Get this Peloton. Come on, get that, uh, that tonal thing, right, that's like plugged into the wall. There's a million things, and we overcomplicate it, but the reality, it's actually quite simple. Find something, stick with it, and do it. I'm actually teaching myself right now and talking to myself because I'm that guy. I've tried every diet that you can imagine. Things get big. Things get, like I've done it all, right? But, but what happens is we try to overcomplicate things that should be simple, but out of all the things that I found, we overcomplicate it, and the most complicated thing that we do is dating. <laughs> Woo! I deal with young people, y'all, all the time. And I, I, I just want you to hear me. Dating has become the most complicated thing that I've ever seen. Oh, well, this person just did this. They're like, should I stay with them? No, that person did something really bad. You need like, it's not complicated, right? It's very simple, but we overcomplicate it. Now, I figured this out the hard way when it comes to dating, how people make it so complicated when it should be simple. Because in seventh grade, I was dating a girl. I said her name wrong in the last service, I realized. Her name was Carolyn. Carolyn. Caroline. Carolyn. Her name was Carolyn. Now, I moved uh, from Richardson schools to Plano schools. Uh, I did two sixth grades. Why? Why? It's not because I failed. It's because they wanted me to be the, you know, the, the, the leader in that, in that community. And so I went through that first sixth grade. They're like, hey, you did so good. We want you to do it again so you can be an example. I was like, fine. I'll do it. So I did it. Went to Plano schools, did sixth grade for the second time. So during my second sixth grade, I met this girl at this new school. And I was like, man, she's incredible. I really like her. She did not like me. She liked other people. I was upset. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take care of myself. I got my braces off. I was feeling confident. And then I went to my mom. I said, hey, mom, I need help. Can you dye my hair? And so she put that cap on, put my hair through, and dyed my hair. I was feeling good. Well, go into seventh grade, and guess what? I finally went over Carolyn. It was incredible. I won her over, and I want you to know, that first week was the greatest week of my life up to that point. I was writing notes. We were having fun. We, rode, we were on the same bus. It was, it was great. But then... Come the second week, she broke up with me. It was my longest relationship up to that point, right? I was like in middle school. But I remember she broke up with me. And I remember I went up and I was like, well, what, what happened? What did I do? And she's like, you did nothing. It's just really complicated. I was like, what's complicated? Like, what is happening? She gave me a list of all these things that were happening. Well, turns out it really wasn't complicated. It was actually really simple. She met an older man. He was in eighth grade. And she left me for this man. 
You know the bottom line? She could have made that incredibly simple by just saying the simple truth, but instead she made it complex. Why? Because we as humans make things complex. Think about this. We go to Starbucks. It is the best, most profitable coffee chain in the world. Why is it so profitable? I'll tell you why. Thanks you for asking. It's because this. They have the best customer service, and it's not how you get treated when you get there, even though they do treat us great. We have a lot of college students that work there. They're, they're awesome. This is the type of customer service they provide. Anything you want them to do within your coffee, they will do it. They will customize it, and I want to let you know, some of you have some incredibly complex coffee orders. <laughs> like, weirdly, you know your coffee order is too long from Starbucks when that little white slip that has what it is, like, goes all the way. It's like a U-shaped around the cup. And you're getting all these different types of syrups, getting it stirred, then like shaken. It's like, what are you doing, right? We like things complex. I'm going to be honest. I'm a complex person. I know I need to simplify my life. And so years ago, I remember I was like, okay, I got to simplify my life. I need to make things simpler. I'm so complex. I overthink things. What do I do? I overcomplicate things. I wanted to go to counseling, but at this time I couldn't afford counseling. So I did the next best thing. I bought a book and I went and bought a book. And this is what that book was called. It was called One Thing by Gary Keller. Gary Keller is an incredible guy. He built Keller Williams, right? It's like the most like profitable um, a real estate chain, like, and I think it's worldwide, I know in America, but it's just, he, he built something incredible. And there's this quote that I read in this book that is going to help us jump into this message, and this is what it says. He said, Gary Keller said, what's one thing that you can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? What is one thing you can do that by doing it, everything else that you do, it'll be easier or you'll realize that it's unnecessary. See, this was a secular book that I, was, that I was reading. But as I was reading, I started thinking about our faith. What if, when it comes to faith, just like in life, we overcomplicate everything? And when we talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus, what do we need to do? We have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And we have a whole list of what it's supposed to look like. But what if how we define it and how God defines it are two different things? What if we overcomplicate our faith? I rewrote this, and this is what I'm here to say. There is one thing that we can do when it comes to our faith, that by doing it, Everything else will become easier. You'll be able to go further. You'll be able to go faster by one thing that we can do. And some of us, we have spent our Christian walk overcomplicating our faith. And this is what I felt as I was praying for us, as I was preparing this message, that there are some people, and you walked in here, and if you're honest, you're frustrated in your faith. If you're honest, you feel like you can't feel God, see God, hear God, starting to say things like, man, I don't know if this God thing is for me. I don't know what's happening. I would like to propose something to you. Maybe what's been going on is not necessarily that you've been doing anything wrong. Maybe the issue is the priorities in which you've been doing things. I don't know if you know this, but there are specific things that God wants to come first. First things first. Priorities matter. What we do matters. And we need to make sure we know what the right priority is. In Matthew chapter 6, it's going to help us figure this out today. So if you look at Matthew chapter 6, credible scripture. In this scripture, what Jesus is doing is he is speaking to his disciples. They're Jesus followers, right? Right after, before, or right before this, what he's doing is he's talking to the, his people and he's telling them, hey, you've been running after money. 
You've been making money the mission of your life. And he says this, you, can not, you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve God. You can't serve money. Don't run after worldly treasure. No, store up treasures in heaven. And he's telling them how to make the most of the life. And then we jump in to what we read in verse 25. And it says this, therefore, he says these three words, pretty intense words. He says this, do not worry. Do not worry. It's kind of harsh. It's like, don't worry. It's like, well, do you know everything going on in my life, God? It's like, I'm trying not to, but like, what am, what am I supposed to do? He says, do not worry. And you got to hear, Jesus is incredibly serious about this. This isn't a suggestion. Hey, you don't have to worry if you, 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 you can, if you choose not to, don't worry. Depending on how you feel, like you can have the option not to worry. No, it is a command. He says this, he says, do not worry. You know what's interesting? When we talk about anxiety, worry, fear, about wanting to get certain things, 2,000 years ago, Jesus wrote that. Isn't it interesting how still today, the Bible's so relevant, it still is just as alive, and it's still speaking. The same things that the enemy was trying to do back then, he's trying to do right now. He has the same tactics, he's a little punk, and here's the deal. We're gonna beat the devil today, come on. He has the same tactics. He wants us to worry. But God says, I want you to not worry. Do not worry. He says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about the, the, what you're going to drink and what you're going to eat. He says this. He says, look at the birds in the sky. It's like, okay, I'm trying to find like the birds, right? I'm like imagining he's teaching and like birds are flying over. And he's like, look at the birds. He says this, that they never have to worry about if they're going to get food or if they're going to get taken care of. It says this, that their father, our father in heaven, takes care of the birds. And I was reading as I was studying in this in verse 26, such a powerful statement, referring to this created object, this created creatures. He says this, he says, now disciples, church 1132, 11 a.m. service. If I take care of the birds, verse 26, he says, are you not much more valuable than men? I think for somebody in here, you know what we need to recognize going into 2022, how valuable we are to God. This is what I found. My level of worry is usually directly correlated with how, how much of an understanding I know how valuable I am to God. The more worry, the less I believe I'm valuable to God. And I want you to know, God wants you to know today that you are valuable to him, that he sees you, that he loves you. You know how valuable we are to God? So valuable that he sent Jesus to die for us, to live the life that we could never live and die on the cross that we deserve. Like that's what he did for us. You know how valuable we are to God. You know right now where Jesus is? He's at the right hand of the Father. And sometimes what we think is Jesus is up there playing Uno with God, right? Playing Uno with the Father. Playing Sorry, Mousetrap, whatever game you like to play. That's not what the Bible says he's doing right now. Right now, at this moment, this is what it says, that he's interceding for you and for me. He's praying for you. You know when you have people be like, hey, I'll pray for you. You ever say that to someone and you don't go pray? I was reading this scripture the other day, and it's like, I don't even care if people aren't praying for me anymore because Jesus is praying for me because that is how valuable I am to them. He says this. He says, do not worry. Don't run after materialistic things that don't really matter. And don't, yes, I know you need stuff, but don't run after those things. And he says this. He says, unbelievers run after those things. 
Unbelievers run after things that don't matter. Unbelievers run after things that, that, that won't really fill them up. Why? Because they don't have the same hope that you have. But what the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to put us in the same place as unbelievers, that we chase after the same things and we look the same way. I don't know if you know this. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be different. But how can we be different? If we look at the same things, if we're chasing the same things, running after the same things, needing the same things, no, there's supposed to be a difference. And what Jesus says, he's like, hey, why are you running after that? You need to know you are valuable to me. And then he says this, though, and you need to know that I know exactly what it is that you need. See, I don't know if we know this today, but God knows exactly, I mean to the T, what we really need. See, sometimes people will take scriptures and they'll think, oh, God wants to give us whatever we want. Honestly, that's not really biblical. He won't give us what, what we want. He'll give us what we really need. Come on, because he's a good father, a loving father. And he says this, he's speaking to him. He's like, hey, if you know that you're valuable and you understand that God knows everything that you need, he knows every desire that's in your heart. Why? Because he put them there. He knows everything about you. He says, do not worry. You are valued. I know what you need. And then he jumps in to one of the most popular verses in all of the Bible. Matthew 6, 33. We're going to put it up here on the screen. And so this is what Jesus does. Instead of saying, go jump into worry, focus on worry, run after worry, he says this. Why don't instead you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, Jesus gives us an alternative. That now we don't have to let worry drive us. Because listen, God is not sitting there telling us that if you ever have feelings of worry, then you're in sin or something's wrong with you. We are going to worry in life. We care about things. But what does the Bible say? He says to cast your cares on God because he cares for you. He's not worried about you having worry. He's worried about what you do with that worry. And here's the bottom line. Our worry, when it's unhealthy, pushes us away from God. But when it's healthy, it pushes us to God. It's okay if you feel. But more important than how you feel, what do we do with how we feel? Because that is what is important. And that's what he's trying to say. He's trying to tell them, hey, you're running to the wrong place. You're running to the wrong things. You're running to things that will not really satisfy you. But guess what? I'm going to give you an alternative. Don't run to that. Instead, run to me. Because God cares about our priorities. He says, what is the first thing that needs to be first? It needs to be seeking me. I don't know if you know this or not. All throughout scripture, there is a pattern of us being able to see what God says about us and what God says we should have as our highest priority. Watch this, Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verse three. This is in the 10 commandments. This is what he says. He has a whole list of things we have to follow. The very first one, the first priority, which is honestly the most important because without this, you can't do the others. Says this, that you shall have no other God's before me. It's a priority. We need to make him our priority. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 38. An expert in the law comes and he comes to test Jesus. Look what he says. Teacher, he asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. What does God want from me and for you in 2022? Is it complex? 
Is it difficult to understand? No, it's actually really simple. He wants us to seek him first, to make him first, to make him really be the Lord of our life, not just, not just someone that we come to. We learned about this in this last series when we need something, but someone who guides us, who sustains us, who lifts us up. That is what God wants to be for me and for you. But the bottom line is that will never happen if we constantly run to other things. And for some of us, maybe what we've been feeling and wondering, God, is you real? Are you good enough? Are you big enough? Can you really help? It's not that God can't help. It's just that he only works when he's first because that is how he designed us to be. Otherwise, what will happen is I'll run to this. I can run to these pills while still trying to come to church and go to God. And it's like, oh, no, I'm fine. And we, and we start to think, no, I, I'm, it's, it's God and these pills. And we start, to put, we start to put these things on where it's like, oh, yeah, it's God and this. It's not Jesus plus that. No, like Jesus alone. It is him alone. And he is saying, I am the one. I want you to run to. Run to Jesus. One of the greatest fights of our faith, I want you to know, is keeping God first, seeking God first. So many things in this world fighting for our attention. And we get it. I understand it. I know it. God knows it. He knows the responsibility that we have, taking care of kids, bills. Come on, all of our young people being in school, getting good grades. He knows it. He's not sitting there saying to neglect your responsibility. He's saying, hey, bring me into the center of your responsibility and seek me in the midst of it. It is an invitation saying, hey, instead of going and running after that, why don't you try this? Seek me first. Some of you, 2022 is going to be the greatest year of your life, and it's so simple. It is that the first thing is going to be first, seeking God, making him your number one priority. Well, how does that look like? Well, i got three quick points for you. How to seek God first. Number one, this is what seeking God first looks like. Seeking God first looks like seeking God daily. Seeking God daily. That word seek, it doesn't mean just a one-time thing, right? It's to seek and keep on seeking. I don't just seek, right, when I'm, in, when I'm in need. Yeah, you definitely need to, but I seek in the good times, in the bad times. When Jesus teaches his people to pray, you know what he says in, in chapter 6 of Matthew? He says, give us, Lord, our daily bread. It's not a Sunday bread. It's not whenever things are going good or going bad bread. It is a daily bread. What is the bread he's talking about? He's talking about he has the ability when you seek him first to give you everything you need to sustain you spiritually, emotionally, physically. He wants to be the one to sustain you. But I found we can never allow him to sustain us if we don't seek him daily. We have to seek him daily. Years ago, Pastor Dustin taught me this quote, and he said this. He said, uh, don't dig deeper, dig daily. And I remember he said this, and what he was trying to say is that so often we're like, oh, I forgot to spend time with Jesus these five days, so instead I'm going to spend two hours this one day this week to make up for it. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for consistency daily, being with him daily. You know what this looks like? You getting up, spending 10, 15 minutes, turning on some worship, just being with God. Spending 10, 15 minutes just talking to God, praying to God, being with Jesus. Seeking God first looks like seeking God daily. Seeking God first, number two, looks like fasting and praying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, he says this, when you fast, look at that. He doesn't say if you fast. Jesus says when you fast. 
because it's not something he's recommending. It's something that he, he expects from us. When you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you fast, see this 21-day fast, it's an opportunity for us to seek him first. Fasting without praying is just a diet. I want you to know what we're going to do is we're not just going to fast over these next 21 days. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. They go together. Peanut butter jelly, milk and cereal, you name it. Cats and dogs. Here's three quick things that fasting does. A fast weakens the grip of your flesh. You've been dealing with addiction. I promise you, if you have something that's been creeping up, just spend these next 21 days fasting and watch what happens. It, a fast increases your sensitivity to God. You feel like God's far? You feel like you can't sense him? Promise you. Just get in this fast and watch what happens. The world has a way of letting the pain and the things that we go through numb us out to a feeling God. It's just, it's recalibrating. It's like going to the chiropractor, just making everything aligned again. It's a realignment. It gives us, uh, it increases our sensitivity to God. And then a fast gives you the faith to believe. You've been having trouble believing that, uh, that God says you're good, that God says that he has good plans for you, I should say. No, get in a fast and you'll have the faith to believe what you read in his word. Seeking God first looks like fasting and praying. And the last one, seeking God first looks like hearing and obeying. He says this, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given as you as well. See, seeking God first doesn't mean we just wanna go and hear. Imagine this, you walk in this church week after week, you hear a message, but then you leave and you're exactly the same. That is not what God's heart is. And that's not what it looks like to actually seek God first. Seeking God first says this, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna hear, but I'm actually gonna apply as well. I hear the word and I apply it. And seeking God first, his kingdom, his righteousness. That's me saying, God, I want to become like you. I, w- I don't want to live how the world's standards are supposed to be. I want to live what your standards are and what your word says. We don't just hear it. We hear and obey. James says this in the book of James. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You need to do what it says. Earlier, I read this quote. What if there was one thing we can do that by doing it, everything else will be easier and unnecessary. I want you to know Jesus makes it incredibly clear for us today. If we wanna do one thing to make everything in our life easier and better, so simple, seek him first. You wanna be the best husband you can be, seek him first. You wanna be the best wife, best father, best work in your workplace. You wanna be the best, seek him first. It sounds so simple, but that's the God that we serve. He wants to make it simple. He doesn't want us to have a bunch of complicated things that we have to follow. No, seek him first. I was just thinking about this. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you know what's interesting? Everything else in the Sermon on the Mount, for the most part, it's actions. Don't do this. Have the right heart. And it's telling us things that we have to do. You know what? I love this because God tells us we need to have the right heart. You ever try to like change your heart yourself? Does it work? We don't have the ability to deal with sin in our own power, the the struggles that we deal with. We don't have the ability to help ourselves. So God says this, I'm going to give you a solution. Seek me instead. Run after me instead. And watch what happens when you get in my presence in 2022. This is our mission as a church. We're going to seek God first. Not just on Sundays or Wednesdays, but a daily devotion saying, God, I'm running after you. Will you stand up with me?